0: There's a painful, chronic disease that affects millions of women in the U.S., but it's rarely talked about, and even doctors say it's often misunderstood. I'm talking about endometriosis. I'm Robin Shannon, and on today's Fordham Conversations, social worker, advocate, and Fordham alum, Casey Berna talks about her painful struggle with endometriosis and about her documentary, Endo-Truth, the Impact of Endometriosis and Infertility on Mental Health. Good morning, Casey.
1: Good morning, Robin. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you for joining me and sharing your story. What is endometriosis?
1: It's where tissue exists on many organs inside the pelvic cavity. So it can exist on the bowels, it can exist on the bladder, on obviously the ovaries, on the uterus, basically anywhere from you know the diaphragm down through the, the bowels and the rectal area. And this tissue exists in the pelvic cavity that's not supposed to be there. It causes a lot of pain, and it reacts to hormones. So a lot of women with painful periods, that's when they feel the endometriosis the most. And it is a big problem that many women have.
0: And, Casey, you, you, I don't want to say suffer from, you're living with endometriosis, correct?
1: Correct. I am living with endometriosis, and I've been living with it for quite some time, although it took me a long time to get diagnosed with endometriosis like many women out there.
0: So can you describe a day in the life of someone who is living with endometriosis? What's it
1: like? Well, someone with endometriosis who is, gone untreated, it can be a devastating disease. Um, it can make a person feel extremely fatigued. it can bring a lot of pelvic pain, it brings terrible cramps. Some women report having diarrhea or constipation, frequent urination um, it It basically takes over really your whole life because when you 're in so much pain it's really hard to think about and do anything
0: so someone who might have cramping or might have pain how do they know the difference between you know regular menstrual pain and something as serious as endometriosis how how, what symptom would they they look for
1: women who don't have endometriosis I don't think have pain that sort of interrupts their life if if you're having pain that can't go away with a couple of Tylenol then you have a problem
0: Mm. and Casey how does a person get or catch or develop endometriosis
1: you know, it's funny. There there are still a lot of theories out there as to how a person can come to have endometriosis. A lot of uh, doctors believe that they have seen endometriosis in fetuses. There are still, you know, many theories on that.
0: So we're not exactly sure what might cause it.
1: Right, exactly. But they, they do say that there is a genetic link. So if, say, a mother has it, her daughter or nieces or relatives are seven times more likely to have endometriosis. So there is a genetic component as well. But okay. more research has to be done.
0: And if there's no cause that is really known, is there a cure
1: for endometriosis? It is important to say there is currently no cure for endometriosis. There are treatments that can help it, but there is, there is no cure. A lot of doctors say it's a myth that a hysterectomy can cure an endometriosis, but that's not true. There is, there is sadly no cure for endometriosis at this time.
0: But how can it be treated?
1: So there, there are different treatments. A lot of times um, doctors will give patients a uh, birth control pill to try to regulate cycles and, and help with the symptoms but it does not make endometriosis go away. The top experts believe that excision surgery, when a doctor goes in and actually cuts the endometriosis out and removes it, that is what is giving patients the most relief at this time.
0: But I guess the the challenge would be if you don't know you have it, then you won't necessarily go for the surgery.
1: Correct. So what I find happening in a lot of patients, and it's what my documentary talks about, is that patients are going to doctors saying, I have terrible cramps, I have all these symptoms, and doctors are dismissing it. My own gynecologist told me that I just have a low pain tolerance, and that's why I have painful periods. And it, it turns out I had very significant, severe endometriosis. It wasn't that I had a low pain tolerance. But many patients hear this time and time again.
0: In a way, telling you that you have a low pain tolerance or it's all in your head is is, is extremely dismissive. Why is endometriosis misdiagnosed so often, Casey?
1: I don't know. I wish I knew that because then I feel like I would <laughs> be able to help change it. I I myself had my appendix taken out. I, I went through having a gastroenterologist tell me I had ir- irritable bowel syndrome that's another uh diagnosis that endometriosis patients get a lot I have my appendix taken out Wait but, wait and- wait
0: Casey wait let's back up okay so you're you know however old you are did it start with your first su- menstrual cycle any the cramping right. or pain or
1: Right, so it's reported that 70% of teens and adolescents experience symptoms of endometriosis in early life, even before the onset of menstruation. So like a lot of these patients, I always had what I called a bad stomach. When I got my period, I continued to have stomach problems. I would have cramps, and these issues just got worse. When I was 19, when I was in college at Fordham, I went to a lot of doctors, uh, I mostly went to my gastroenterologist to try to figure out why I was having all of these stomach issues.
0: So it really felt and, more like Casey, it felt more like it was in your stomach, not necessarily your uterus or anything, it was in your stomach.
1: Right, exactly. Mm. So I mean I would have cramps during my period, but constantly I would have terrible stomach issues. Had and you gone to I, a
0: doctor before you came to college? Before, I for for the cramping and the pain, yeah.
1: Oh, for the cramping and the pain, no. Um, I didn't go to the doctor uh, for the cramping and the pain uh, before I got to college.
0: What finally pushed you to go, I need to go to a doctor about this pain?
1: I was vomiting. I was having a lot of diarrhea. I was losing weight. It seemed like everything I ate would not stay inside of me.
0: And you were in college at this time?
1: I was in college at this time. Mm. I was commuting to Fordham. I remember in college I would fall asleep at parties in the middle of the floor. Like I didn't I I wasn't drinking. I just would you know, because I commuted to school and I worked, I I was exhausted. So I remember actually I think the roots were playing in the gym at Fordham and I fell asleep on the bleachers. Oh wow. <laughs> um so <sighs> it's I didn't really in some cases I didn't know any better. This was my body. This was I I put it it was devastating and it was exhausting. And it brought a lot of anxiety, especially the stomach issues. I didn't know when I would get sick or, uh, you know, did I need to be near a bathroom and also getting to class and keeping up with everything. It it was just, it was very exhausting. It's hard being told that nothing's you're fine, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. It, It makes you start to feel crazy.
0: And and it's affecting your quality of life. Like you said, you have to know where the bathroom is and, you know, you have to maneuver your whole life around this pain and this uncomfortableness.
1: So- Correct. So I decided I we need to figure out if something was seriously wrong with me or if there was anything I could do to help this. So I went to my gastroenterologist And he did a lot of tests, upper GI series, lower GI series, colonoscopy. Everything came out fine and normal, which happens a lot with endometriosis patients because endometriosis really doesn't show up on any sort of MRIs or test scans. And he looked at me and he said, I think you're very stressed out. I think you have irritable bowel syndrome. And I I think you're just an anxious person. Now, of course, I was anxious because I was having all these health issues. (laughs) I were not diagnosed. So,
0: oh. and so. So, did you believe the doctor? Did you just move on, or did you move to another doctor? What happened after that?
1: I. It was hard to believe after all that testing that something was indeed wrong with me. I. I felt like something was wrong, but when you have tests that say nothing is wrong, it's hard to keep going. So I decided. All right, I'll just try to relax more. I'll. I'll try to not eat fried foods. I tried basically anything to keep my stomach in line, but nothing was really helping it.
0: So you really tried to take more of a a mental approach to a physical problem, right?
1: Which didn't work.
0: Didn't work at all. Uh, Well, how many doctors did you have to go to before you were diagnosed with endometriosis?
1: Well, I I mean, I've seen a lot of doctors in my life. I should also point out that I my periods got worse, my stomach issues got worse. uh, during a period, I had horrible right side pain, and I went to the hospital. I called my guest, gastroenterologist. He told me I got to go to the hospital, and it was funny. My appendix looked weird. He said, you have borderline appendicitis. Mm. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, I don't know. It's a borderline appendicitis. You should probably take it out. And they went in. They didn't see endometriosis, even though I'm sure it was, there
0: right and they
1: took out my appendix and still I never got an answer well why was it borderline appendicitis and it I'm sure I had endometriosis on my appendix which happens to a lot of patients and they they just didn't know any better I didn't get diagnosed until my husband and I we got married just out of college and we started trying to conceive at a young age, and I was 26, and I was having infertility issues. Mm -hmm. So I went to a reproductive endocrinologist, and he was the one through a laparoscopy that diagnosed me with endometriosis.
0: And what I'm thinking, Casey, if we can back up a bit, is not only did they not recognize the surgeons, not recognize the endometriosis, but you could have possibly had a surgery you didn't even need. Correct. And, and and also the financial repercussions of paying for a surgery that you didn't need.
1: Absolutely. If I knew about endometriosis when I was in high school, then I would know the reason for all my pain. I wouldn't have felt dismissed all those years. I would, I would know what was going on. And the surgeon I eventually went to, who was an expert, when he sees patients, he does the right kind of surgery, and he'll take out the appendix and the gallbladder with uh, also taking care of the endometriosis. And I had another, later on, I would go to have my gallbladder out. It just, um, it would have made a world of difference had I known then what I know now.
0: This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon talking with Casey Berna. She's a social worker and advocate who created the documentary EndoTruth, the impact of endometriosis and infertility on mental health. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you finally, you and your husband, go to uh, get checked out for infertility?
1: Correct. We got checked out for infertility and all the tests came back negative. Our doctor had no idea why we were having these issues. And he said, you know, maybe you have endometriosis.
0: And did you go like, like, what? What is endometriosis?
1: Right. I had never heard of it before. And he said the only way to diagnose it is through laparoscopy. So let me go in there and and check it out and see. What kind of surgery is
0: laparoscopy?
1: Laparoscopy is when they make tiny incisions and they use a camera. So it's, it's a less invasive way of... Performing surgery.
0: And what was he looking for?
1: He was looking for tissue, endometriosis. He was looking for the disease throughout my pelvic cavity.
0: And that's what he found?
1: He did. He found some of the disease and he used a surgical technique called ablation, which means he just burns it away, which is what the majority of doctors do. They burn it. And he sewed me back up and he said, You're all good. It was, you didn't have a lot, and we should be able to get you pregnant. It should be no problem.
0: How long was the procedure? Were you in the hospital a while, or was it overnight stay? Or
1: His procedure was pretty quick. I think it was only an hour or so, and it was outpatient.
0: Oh, so you got to go home that day?
1: I did. I got to go home that day, and I was told that everything was going to be okay. So it was good to have an answer.
0: But, Casey, did you actually believe them because you had gone a few other times and people had told you this is going to fix it? Did you did you believe your doctor? And if so, why?
1: I hoped. I I hope my doctor was right. I think I have a cynical point of view that I developed (laughs) over the years. So I, I was hopeful that this was it. And I wanted this to be it. Obviously, fertility was on my mind. My husband and I really wanted to have a baby. So that was our our main priority. So I was really hopeful that he was right, that the surgery was the only thing I needed to have a baby, and that my quality of life would also
0: improve. So did it work?
1: I was able, after fertility treatment, to have our daughter, and we're, we're very, very lucky. But what I, what I did notice was that I I started feeling sick after she was born. What do you mean, sick? With the, end, the endometriosis started getting worse and worse, oh, and we really wanted to have more kids, so we jumped right back into treatment, and that's when I underwent like many more fertility treatments.
0: you had to go through these um, infertility treatments. does having endometriosis rule out natural childbirth?
1: no, absolutely not, so the Resolve, the National Infertility Association, says that 40% of endometriosis patients will experience infertility. So not all patients with endometriosis have infertility. But I think another interesting statistic that the American Society of Reproductive Medicine has on their website is that endometriosis may be found in 24 to 50% of women who experience infertility.
0: So Casey, does pregnancy actually help with the endometriosis?
1: I think a lot of doctors say that to patients. Oh, we just have to get you pregnant and that'll help with your endometriosis. And my doctor said that to me as well. While some women experience less symptoms of endometriosis during pregnancy I don't think that's true for all women. I know I had a lot of issues with my bowels and with different pain during pregnancy. And and then my endometriosis was worse after pregnancy. So pregnancy is also not a cure for endometriosis, even though a lot of doctors will say that to patients.
0: Casey, you created EndoTruth, the impact of endometriosis and infertility on mental health. So why did you decide to do this documentary?
1: After my fertility journey was over and after I met an awesome endometriosis specialist, I started feeling better and I started becoming very active in the endometriosis community. I got my social work degree at Fordham and I decided to try to use my social work skills to help the endometriosis and infertility community. So I started doing counseling with patients. I started running support groups and getting involved with other nonprofits. And I would talk to women all over the world who had the same experience I did delayed diagnosis, doctors dismissing them, telling them that they were crazy, going for treatments that harm their body more than hurt their body. And I started hearing the same stories over and over again. And I thought it would be helpful to tie up all these stories together and talk about the impact that these two traumatic diseases have on mental health. And I my hope would be because the women would come to me very upset and often I would be the first person that they would talk to that had endometriosis or that went through a miscarriage or went through infertility. They are such isolating things to go through. So my hope is with this video, it would be something that would also help patients feel less isolated.
0: I would think getting it out there, there would be a sense of peacefulness for people who have endometriosis because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're the only one and nobody understands. How did you find some of the the people in your video? How did you choose them?
1: I was so grateful to the women and they were so brave and they talked courageously about every aspect of their disease. What I did was because I'm very involved in the community and In social media, I had put it out there on my Facebook page that on this day, I am going to the Maria Dross Counseling Center, which is where I was working and seeing patients. And on this day... Is that in New York? Where's that? It is. It's in New York City. Mm -hmm. I've been moved to North Carolina, but uh, it yes, in New York City. And I said, anyone who wants to come and share their story, I'll have food, and I would love to come and record your story. So the women who came... I uh, just heard about it and showed up. And some of the women, like Dr. Sally Farrell, she's a pelvic floor therapist. She and I worked with a lot of patients together to help them heal and recover with endo. And she shared her story. Uh, I had women from my endo warriors group, uh, support group that I run that came, other advocates, and some women who, one woman drove a couple hours to the city because she heard about this. She hadn't been diagnosed yet by a specialist. Um, She had been dismissed. So she came because she wanted to learn more information about it, and she wanted to share her story as well. So I was very touched by everyone who showed up.
0: And I noticed in the documentary you also talk with family members, um, a husband of a woman who, and I like the quote that he said, he said if a man said he had pain in his groin, a doctor wouldn't dismiss it.
1: He he is a wonderful husband to a very strong, amazing, wonderful woman, and he was very passionate about coming and, and talking about everything that they went through with all the doctors dismissing his wife and really hindering their fertility because of poor surgeries. And it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to talk to him and to get his perspective because I think the partners of the the loved ones who are suffering, they go through a tremendous amount as well, so it was nice to get his perspective.
0: Also in your documentary, you interviewed a woman. She said that her mother and grandmother had the same symptoms. Basically, they had endometriosis but didn't know it. And they just thought it was normal to have these cramps that immobilized you. So when she had it, her family had, you know, her mother said, oh, that's normal. That's just what happens when you get your menstrual cycle. If this is information that's passed from generation to generation, Casey, how do you stop the cycle?
1: It's really difficult. I have to say my own mother had endometriosis. She was never diagnosed. But years into my own advocacy work, well after my surgeries, she told me that she used to pass out on the subway because her periods were so painful. She just used to faint. And I said, did you think that was normal? And she said, oh, that's just, that's just the way it was. So it's tricky when it is, genetic component and you learn about your periods from your mother or your aunt and if you learn that periods are supposed to be painful how are you supposed to know otherwise especially if doctors are saying it's normal i'm involved in this wonderful program run by the endometriosis foundation of america called the empower program and they are dedicated to education educating adolescents about endometriosis and also encouraging adolescents to be their own health advocates. So I feel like programs like this can help stop that cycle and educate women that painful periods are not normal. They often say killer cramps are not normal. There's something wrong. And I think it's just getting these messages out there, which is going to help stop the cycle.
0: There have been a few celebrities like actress Lena Dunham or singer Halsey or top chef and model Padma Lakshmi who have gone public about their struggle with endometriosis. And Lena, who's on the HBO series Girls, said that she feared people would find out about her diagnosis because she was afraid that they would deem her weak. And I've heard this with other illnesses, Casey. So what do you think is at the root of the fear of people being considered weak? If they have a medical condition, could this also be one of the reasons why women especially want to be dismissive of their health because of what people might think of them? What do you think?
1: I don't know. I think it's hard. I think there's a few parts to that. One, I think not many people have heard of endometriosis. So there is we have a long way to go in terms of educating society about endometriosis. When you hear someone has diabetes or someone has cancer, you don't say, oh, they're weak, right? That would be cruel Like right. if you said that about those patients. I think we need to make endometriosis a known disease and established disease where people hear endometriosis. Oh, my goodness. You have terrible cramps. You're so tired. What can I do for you or how can I help you? Or, wow, look what you're accomplishing through all of your pain and through all of your issues. So I think one is we need to pump up the general awareness so women will feel more comfortable sharing their illness. I also think it's really hard to talk about a disease where it affects your period, where it affects you have diarrhea, you have painful bowel movements, you have painful intercourse, your uterus and ovaries hurt. I think there's still a taboo in talking about these women's health issues, which there shouldn't be. I know back when the breast cancer movement was starting and talking about getting breast exams and having lungs checked, I I feel those advocates did a lot of great work in making it okay to talk about that in public and raising awareness and the consciousness of society. And I feel like we'd have to do that with endometriosis. So this way, working women or women in general do not feel embarrassed talking about it. And also women, when they do talk about it, will get the support they need from family members or employers or people in their day-to-day life.
0: So raising awareness is a big part of it.
1: Absolutely.
0: And hopefully your documentary can begin the discussion and help to raise awareness about endometriosis. Casey, um, how can my listeners view your video or even share it with some of their friends and family?
1: Listeners can go to my website, www.caseyburna.com And at my website, they'll find videos I've done, including the EndoTruth documentary. They'll find helpful articles and ways to get good information about endometriosis.
0: And I'm also going to post that on our website. So, Casey, you're living with endometriosis. You've worked in the field. You're helping people. After making your documentary, did you learn anything that you didn't know before?
1: I don't know if I learned anything I didn't know necessarily, but I think what was overwhelming to me is throughout the flagrant dismissals, and neglect that the endometriosis patients had during their medical journey to finally see a specialist, I think I was completely overwhelmed by the patient's strength and resilience and endurance.
0: To round this out, Casey, are there any hospitals known to specialize in treating endometriosis or or doctors that you would say that's who you need to go to because they're they're sensitive to the issue?
1: Yes, I have to say that there were probably only maybe 10 to 20 doctors in in the country in the world maybe that i would let operate on me for endometriosis unfortunately the majority of the doctors don't do the type of surgery that will help endometriosis patients in the long run what you want to do is find an endometriosis excision surgeon an endometriosis specialist who does excision surgery, that they remove the endometriosis by cutting it out. You wanna find a doctor, a surgeon, a specialist who will not only do excision, but who will look at your bladder, who will look at your bowels, who will look throughout your entire pelvic cavity for endometriosis and remove it so that when you wake up from surgery, you are in the best position possible and will have the best chance at a good quality of life. Most doctors do not look throughout the whole pelvic cavity. They focus, they see endometriosis as a reproductive disease, and they'll look at the ovaries and the uterus, they'll burn it off, and they'll send you on your way. But many patients who go through this type of surgery will have pain immediately, if not like within six months of the initial surgery. And they're often in worse shape for it. I think endometriosis patients really need to be super advocates for their own health. They need to question doctors. They need to do research online. I think there are a lot of things that are helpful to endometriosis patients, like changing your diet can help, going gluten-free, dairy-free, often helps patients participating in pelvic floor therapy with a trained therapist who specializes in endometriosis can help patients quality of life and also, you know, going for counseling because it can be very stressful, very traumatic. Putting a team together can help endometriosis patients feel better. And it it's a tough it's a tough disease, but what I found is that endometriosis patients are some of the toughest, most amazing women I've ever met.
0: Casey, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your knowledge, your, your struggle, and, and, and your survival from endometriosis.
1: Robin, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. The more that we can talk about endometriosis, the more we can help patients who are suffering.
0: Thank you. I've been talking with Casey Berna. Her documentary, Endo-Truth, The Impact of Endometriosis and Infertility on Mental Health, is available at her website, CaseyBerna.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-B-E-R-N-A dot com. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. You can friend Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and you can catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.